Hi there, and welcome to Drones On Air. I'm your host, Ryan Kant, CEO and founder of EnviroDrone. Our podcast today is called Monitoring Habs with Drones. It's a special feature for World Water Day. We have a special guest joining us, Roger Tokars. Mr. Tokars is an optical engineer at the NASA Glenn Research Center. In this episode, we will talk about watershed mapping, hab detection, toxic algae bloom impacts, and drones. We will learn about Roger and how his team developed a system to protect the Great Lakes ecosystems. Join us for an exhilarating flight on air through drone exploration, discovery, and innovation. All right, thanks for joining us, Rogers. Uh, tell us a little bit, I guess, about yourself and how you got started at, at NASA. Hey, my name is Roger Tokarzi. I optics and uh, photonics branch here at the Glenn Research Center. Uh, I graduated from Purdue University in electrical engineering, and then I went on to Cleveland State uh, for my my master's in, in physics with a concentration in, in uh, optics. And, and uh, I've been working with uh, NASA Glenn uh, harmful algal bloom monitoring for the past oh, maybe only five or six, seven years. And uh, we just started working on uh, drone systems recently uh, back in 2015. That's fantastic. Now, tell us a little bit about the work that you've started doing on blue-green algae blooms and how drones have been deployed to help you solve or answer some of the issues um, that you're trying to understand. We started uh, looking at blue-green algae uh, because um, uh, there's a specific kind of uh, blue-green algae that's, uh, that's dominant in, in uh, Lake Erie. It's called a microcystis, which can be toxic. Uh, so we, uh, we use the hyperspectral imager in order to uh, distinguish between the algae and the water. Uh, and, and the idea was to map out an area and, and look at this, uh, the blue-green algae in order to identify areas of concern. Um, and then we relay that information to uh, water treatment operators uh, so that they can take steps to mitigate that issue. That's brilliant. So now let's kind of scale back a little bit for our listeners. Uh, for those that don't understand blue-green algae blooms and, and these toxic HABs, can you give us a little bit of background about where their sources are and where they occur and, and, and why they're, um, they're starting, to, um, starting to infiltrate into our watersheds and towards the lakes and causing all these, these issues? Um, give us a little background, I guess, on, on, on that. Yeah, so the al- algae blooms, uh, they happen in, in the summer when it's uh, warmer, uh, the warmer temperatures, and uh, if there's nutrient-rich waters, uh, you'll, you'll get this al- algae growth, uh, and they turn into blooms. Um, and, and that happens uh, specifically out in western Lake Erie. Um, you've got shallow water. Uh, so there, there's no cold, there's no deep cold water that mixes with that shallow water, and so you'll get these hot spots where the algae grows. And um, depending on what what dominant form of algaes in that bloom, that's where you could have concern that it could be microcystis, could be something toxic. So where where exactly are the are is the source of the algae blooms? Are these is it due to ammonium nitrate runoff, like fertilizer from farm fields that is that is um, percolating down from our watersheds and into our into our lakes and into water our water resources? Well, well, well the algae is always in the the water, um, but the, the 
the nutrients coming from the runoff from farmlands, they, they feed the algae in, in the water. Um, and if, if the conditions are right, then that's when you, you could have that potentially massive bloom that, that happens in, um, in, in the summertime. Now, with climatic change, are we seeing an increase in these blooms uh, due to warmer weather? Well, over the years, we, we have seen some fluctuations with um, the amount of biomass in the water uh, in Lake Erie. Uh, there, uh, there's a, a monitoring uh, that goes on. You can see a yearly forecast of, of uh, what the algae is like. And it has been getting worse and worse. Um, uh, back in 2015 was was the worst year on record. And before that, 2014, uh, there was the Toledo water uh, crisis where uh, one of their water intakes sucked in a, an algae bloom. Um, and then 2011 was also a, a bad year um, on record. So I, I don't know if it's because of specifically climate change, but, but I do know that the problem fluctuates and I mean, it, it's been getting worse. So previously we've been using satellite imagery to be able to detect blue-green algae blooms and how the currents have been um, migrating these, 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 uh, these blooms around our lake ecosystems. Now, how has drones been able to solve some of the missing, uh, the, the missing data gaps currently and, and, and what are you guys using to help understand those gaps better? I guess the, uh, the satellites they, they use now, uh, they're, they're very high up there. They're able to image the whole lake at once, which is, which is nice if you want to get a, a nice big picture of what's going on. Um, but it, it's also often missing uh, details. So you might have you know, a pixel that extends a kilometer. It doesn't exactly get down to you know, the detail that you might need um, for some of your analysis. Uh, so a drone, it, you can fly you know, uh, at varying altitudes, but um, depending on where you're at, you, you can get a, a very detailed image of, of what you're looking at. It, it could be sub-meter resolution. Um, and then uh, you, it's also easily accessible. You can take a drone and um, fly it over an area uh, you know, that day. Uh, so it's, it's um, helpful in that regards. Um, you can also fly it underneath clouds, which is something you can't do with satellites. Um, and then uh, in terms of cost, uh, a drone, uh, you, you can buy some of these um, drones for very inexpensive. And compared to like an aircraft or a satellite where you might have high initial launch costs, uh, a drone, it's an order of magnitudes less expensive. Yeah, so response time and data quality are very important in how drones would be able to provide value um, in, in, some, in some circumstances uh, when we compare them to satellites. Now, with being able to deploy a drone on the lakeside and be able to almost in, instantly in an, or in real time be able to assess the, uh, the blue-green algae blooms, now what makes the data quality of your drones special compared to what maybe uh, another individual may be able to purchase off the shelf? Well, so... The uh, system that we were working on, it, it, was, uh, it was modular. Uh, we, we actually built it with um, a 3D printer. Uh, this was the, uh, the sensor specifically. And we wanted to look at a, a specific field of view. Uh, so we selected a lens uh, in order to, to customize our, our system. 
Um, and we knew exactly how high we were flying, and, and we were going we were trying to get square pixels. Uh, so based on the speed of our our aircraft and and uh, our imager that we were using, uh, all this came into play in order to develop a, a sensor uh, specifically tailored to what we were looking at. Um, we also wanted to take the data ourselves and and, and uh, analyze it with our own algorithms. So we um, we will. We're interested in being able to get a system that, that's specific, uh, like bit depth, um, uh, and also signal to noise ratio. That was important to uh, just keep it and keep tabs on that. Um, but yeah, there are there are commercial systems out there. They can be pretty expensive. Um, so now tell us, I guess, a little bit more about the research that you just did in the summer. You had another third party that were supporting you and actually collecting the data, and then you deployed your own sensor on, uh, on, on the platform to be able to collect the data. Now tell us about that project and, and what, the, um, what, the, what the process was for you to actually get the data to an actionable map to be able to assess these HABs. We worked on a, a project that was called HYDRUS. Uh, HYDRUS stands for Hyperspectral HAB detection via remote UAV sensing. Uh, it's kind of a mouthful. I always have to look it up yeah. to tell us what it is. Um, but yeah, so it was a project that we were working on to develop this payload. Um, and uh, we worked with uh, several younger engineers here at uh, NASA Glenn. So it was originally part of this Rocket University, this NASA Rocket University project. Uh, so it was uh, a chance for these engineers to work together to solve a problem um, and, and produce something that benefits the, uh, the community, the area around here. Uh, so the HAB monitoring was selected, um, and we uh, decided to, to use a drone in order to do so. And uh, we, we picked a fixed-wing uh, UAP from Altavian. Uh, it was F-6500. Um, and... We flew that in 2016 uh, um, over areas uh, that we knew uh, there was al algal blooms, and uh, uh, we we took that data and we analyzed it, and, and um, basically you would build up a map from that information, and then we would use our algorithms in order to uh, try to identify where uh, we suspected there to be uh, harmful algal blooms, uh, and then um, we did this again. Uh, in 2017, uh, last year, uh, we flew over um, actually a, a, a very similar area, uh, and then we also flew uh, in inland water uh, lakes. Um, and uh, the same idea was to look at you know what's what's the water like, what, what's um, what are the con constituents that make up the water, identify you know areas of concern. Um, uh, for that process. So, so now the big question: How has the, the drone imagery really helped us improve our understanding of, of HABs and and potentially develop certain things as maybe predictive uh, predictive models to um, understand when these may occur and the uh, the impact that could could become. Um, at certain times of the year. So, what, what I guess, what was the big, um, the big findings and discoveries during this particular study? We're trying to use this information to share with our external partners and and uh, develop these algorithms to better identify 
the presence of farm flower blooms. Um, uh, so I, I can't do, really comment too much on the exact uh, papers that were are still coming out. Um, but the idea is uh, uh, the system that we're building uh, is to better assist in, in the HAB monitoring that we're doing. Now, now, do you believe in a future where we'll actually have uh, drones uh, set up to be able to monitor HABs on a daily basis during the summer? Um, and what do you what do you kind of see that that uh, that future looking like? Is it going to be something where we'll be able to control the drones from a remote station, say from halfway across the continent in, in California, and be able to monitor what's what's going on? And um, or do you think that maybe there there might be a different way or a different practice how we could use this information to create another type of predictive model? Well, so the way I envisioned it, so you've got satellite data that provides uh, information on a large scale, but it just might not be detailed enough. Uh, so what I was, was hoping, there would be, uh, you know, whether it's a, a researcher investigating uh, an area of concern or, or it's um, like a water who has an intake location, he wants to, you know, get a detailed analysis of what the area is like where that water is being, you know, sucked in. Uh, they would they would take a drone and they would launch it, you know, whether it was by boat or by a station uh, on land where the drone could go out to that area and provide that real-time information where you could use, a, a you know, the, the algorithm um, uh, to identify, you know, the, where the harmful algal bloom might exactly be and so they could use that information and decide oh well you know this is, this is where we need to make uh, we need to do things in order to mitigate this problem you know whether that's increase uh, filtration uh, with with the water intake or or it's um, just to keep people out of that area not to swim or, or fish um, they could use that information to better uh, you know, you know mitigate Problem. Yeah, timely information is, is very important into understanding the issues with blue-green algae blooms and where, where they're occurring, when they're occurring, how frequent. But what can we do as citizens to be able to reduce the uh, impact that are being caused by these blue-green algae blooms? Is there something that the farming community could potentially do to help uh, reduce the, the, uh, the impact of the blue-green algae blooms? And, and what are some of these solutions that you've seen that could actually really help answer, um, answer these issues? We yeah, so the uh, the algae is uh, being fed by nutrients, and and they often say that that uh, like the farm runoff. If, if a farmer were to use excessive amounts of fertilizer, or if a consumer is using excessive amounts of fertilizer in the lawns, or somehow getting from one area into the into the the water into the the lake. Uh, so if, if we as um, you know. People trying to take care of the environment are more aware of, of what they're you know dumping into uh, sewers and and whatever's being run off. I think that that awareness and taking steps to to um, to reduce that that footprint uh, that people do that affects our environment. Uh, that that's a better way for us to manage this this uh, algae problem that we're seeing out in the water. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think there's a lot that 
both from sources that are caused by from cities and also from um, from the, from the agriculture community. I think that there's a lot of technology that's coming out to help reduce the 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 impact. I know that cities are starting to implement more uh, solutions such as permeable pavements to help with water quality uh, from uh, from toxic runoff that are coming from asphalt and pavements such as that. But we're also seeing the precision agriculture community starting to, uh, to starting to also use drones to be able to look at crop crop health and be able to determine how to reduce their use of fertilizers, herbicides, uh, insecticides. And so that's allowing us to reduce the, the, the issue of nutrient runoff and, and help solve some of these issues. I, I did also read that the current issue with blue-green algae blooms is, is, is an issue where some of the, the runoff is, is, is a long-term, it's a, it's a chronic impact of our ecosystems. And so one researcher from the University of Toronto, he had mentioned that the blue-green algae bloom problem won't be solved, uh, unfortunately, within a 10-year span because current impacts from runoff um, will continue to infiltrate our watersheds uh, in, from through a 10-year period. Um, so I guess now is the time to start, and I know that we've seen uh, a considerable amount of technology that's trying to answer this issue, and I think that drones, whether it be able to provide inf- information from blue-green algae blooms a lot sooner... Um, or even using drones to be able to help reduce the actual impact that can be causing these these issues, such as um, precision agriculture methods. I think this is all going to go a long way to help us uh, answer some of these 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 questions about blue-green algae blooms and understand them better to be able to treat them and uh, and ensure that citizens of both Canada and the United States are are not going to be impacted in the future from from the the harm that they can cause. So I think it's very interesting. Well, thank you so thank you so much, uh, thank you so much, Roger, for joining us on on the show. I think that this was uh, really insightful to learn about blue green algae blooms, and I think that the the research that you guys have done and the sensor that you have built is very innovative. And I think that it goes to show that there's a lot of other opportunities that we've seen um, outside of traditional sensors that we can actually use to understand more about our environment and the ecosystems, um, and then the way that also that humans impact those ecosystems too. So, so thank you. All right. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, that wraps up our fifth episode of Drones On Air. I hope this podcast provides you with insight on how drones are being used to protect our Great Lakes ecosystems. If you have any questions about this podcast, please email me at ryan at envdrone.com. Join us on April 4th as we interview Tom Hart and Thomas Sayer McCord, who travel to Antarctica to search for Adelie penguins using drones. These two researchers have an incredible depth of knowledge on Adelie penguins and the pressures that impact them. We will learn about the aerial discovery of a super colony, which was made up of approximately 1.5 million of the little tuxedos. Make sure to follow us on social media at EnviroDrone and visit our website at envdrone.com.